0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. On today's show, Joe Biden picks Kamala Harris, and I'm excited. Also, Donald Trump puts on his Superman cape and flies right into a wall, as usual. South Dakota in the news for all the wrong reasons. And the coronavirus, college football, and the NBA. My name is Brian Rundle. This is Run's House. Let's get it started. (laughs) Hey there, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. I'm a little late this week. I usually have a show every Monday, but I was unable to get one out yesterday. Unfortunately, I had a very busy week and weekend, which precluded me from being able to record at the time that I normally do. So I apologize about that. But anyway, I am here. And I'm actually kind of glad I waited a day because not too long ago, Joe Biden, our presidential hopeful, picked his vice president, and it turned out to be the choice that many people thought it was going to be, Kamala Harris, the senator from which I am very excited about. I've always liked her. I really started to like her when I saw her during the congressional hearings she was usually a star in those things. She was sharp. She did not put up with anything. She tripped people up. She knew exactly what she was doing. She knew exactly what she was saying. I, you know, Certainly the prosecutor in her shined during those hearings. She did a phenomenal job, and I cannot wait to see how she dices up Mike Pence in the vice presidential debate. Now, I know the vice president does not necessarily get you over. It's not the pick that really is going to determine whether or not you're going to win the presidency. That's History will tell you that. In this case, it could be different because I think there's a lot of on-the-fence voters, Republican voters, independents, Who wanted to see who Joe Biden would pick and to see if it was somebody that could make the difference in their vote? And I think Kamala Harris is somebody that will make a difference in a lot of those people who are on the fence or were those hardline Republicans. And I'm talking about real Republicans because there's no such thing as Republican nowadays. If it has an R by your name and you're in Congress for the most part, you're not a Republican, you're just a Trump cultist is really what you are. You are milking this thing for as long as you possibly can. Or you're just afraid to jump off that train, if that's what you want to call it, because you're afraid of your constituents or whatever the case is, whatever bizarre reason you are deciding to go down this line with Donald Trump. Maybe you're maybe you're a gambler. I'm a gambler. But, you know, A lot of times I'll gamble on some sports games and I will look at all the factors that contribute to my pick. In other words, if I'm betting on the Lakers and LeBron James and Anthony Davis is out, I'm not going to bet on them to win. But that's what the Republicans are doing. They're gambling, but it's a really risky gamble. They're making their bets as if their best players aren't in. And they're going to run with it. But you know what happens. If if you win, the payoff's big. So we are going to see what happens. But I really do like Kamala Harris. You know what else I like? I like that we're going to see Maya Rudolph a lot more now. I am a big fan of hers. She's one of the most underrated Saturday Night Live players of all time. She is fantastic. And my guess is we're going to see a lot of Miss Maya Rudolph. I'm fine with that. But anyway, there was a lot made of the debate when Kamala Harris attacked Joe Biden for siding with some segregationist senators back in the day. And she had a personal story, too. But, you know, that just goes to show these debates are designed to get the best sound bites. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that Kamala Harris and her story, she doesn't take it seriously and she does not feel what she felt. But I think, you know you're trying to get people to remember you. And when you say strong statements, you know, it's something that could get people to remember you. But at the end of the day, Kamala Harris still has nothing but the highest respect for Joe Biden. And obviously, Joe Biden has nothing but the highest respect for Kamala Harris. And we saw this back in 2008 Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton had some pretty nasty debates, and it was really an ugly campaign against each other at times. But when all was said and done and the dust cleared, Barack Obama knew how good Hillary Clinton was. And I'll say it once. I'll say it again. We missed the boat with Hillary Clinton. She would have been one of the best presidents we've ever had. And I know that is going to light up even some of my audience, but I really don't care on this one because Hillary Clinton would have been a phenomenal president. You may not have liked her, you know, and I honestly, to be honest with you, I don't know what people really hated about her. I guess I could see when, you know, every once in a while she could come across as cold or whatever the case is, but... I'll tell you what, in order to be in that position, sometimes you got to be a little cold. And it seems to me like when a guy does it, it seems to be okay. When a woman does it, it's sort of a turnoff with some people. But not me. She would have been way tougher on Vladimir Putin than this clown that we have in office is. But anyway, I got off on a tangent here. Barack Obama saw how incredibly talented and smart Hillary Clinton was. And. Not only did they make up, Barack Obama made her the secretary of state. So I also assume that Joe Biden is going to put a lot of the people that we saw on that debate stage in his cabinet, which I believe is going to be a really, really good cabinet. Yeah, You know, let's face it. Joe's going to need it. Joe's going to need a great cabinet. He is going to be 78 years old next month. I believe it is. That's something that you got to keep an eye on. And Kamala Harris is a great choice to take over in case she needs to. And that's another reason why the vice presidential pick is important this time around. I really wish they could start now, to be honest with you. I mean, maybe at some point we could get somebody to do something about this damn pandemic that's ruining everybody's lives killing people instead of a president that continues to say, if we do less testing, it'll go away. It's going to eventually disappear. I mean, this is a joke. And there are people who say, yep, he's doing the right thing and we're going in the right direction. And that frightens me. But we have a strong ticket now. I'm excited and I'm ready to move forward. But in the meantime, we still have Donald Trump running the country and he, over the weekend, signed a what appeared to be a reality show like stunt signing an executive order giving people relief for unemployment. But what it really said is we're going to give you less money and it's also going to be up to the states as to whether or not they're going to participate. And if they do, they're going to have to pay some of the money. And if they have to pay some of the money, it's going to deplete a lot of their funds that they need for the coronavirus And it's possible it'll take months and months and months for them to get the programs together. I mean, the governors, a lot of them seem stunned. They don't even know what to do or how to proceed. And again, it's just Donald Trump doing something to try to make himself look good and to say, you know what, if Congress can't get it done, I'm going to get it done. But he really did nothing. And there's also argument as to whether or not he can even do it, which this is something I'm kind of getting tired of. How does nobody know whether or not the president can or cannot do something? I'm getting sick of this. I mean, When he gets impeached, well, I don't know. He could do this maybe or he could do that. And, you know, can Donald Trump be prosecuted while he's president? Well, I'm not really sure. There's one guy that says yes. There's another guy. What is that? How do we not know? Can we start working on that and trying to figure out exactly what we can do to a president when he's in office and what we can't do? Can we have some solid ground on this? Frustrating. I guess if you really think about it, we really haven't had to do any of this stuff with any other president. So maybe it is hard to figure out. Anyway, along with the unemployment benefits, Donald Trump signed executive orders that supposedly are putting moratoriums on foreclosures and evictions and also deferments on student loans. So he's trying to say, look, I'm America's hero. I'm coming in to save the day but also throws in a payroll tax deferral order that could start the beginning stages of Donald Trump wanting to get rid of Social Security altogether. And if he gets a second term, there's a very good chance that that could happen. But hopefully we only have 11 more weeks of this guy. Yeah, he'll have to finish out 11 more weeks until the election. And with this new ticket, I am excited. And by the way, Donald Trump held... A press conference at his golf club to announce all of these executive orders and to announce all kinds of other gibberish one in fact was the fact that he passed the veterans choice act which obama passed but for some reason he's taking credit for it that he passed this bill this law and a reporter called him out on it and when she called him out on it what do you think happened He abruptly ended the press conference and said, okay, I'm out of here. I'm not answering these ridiculous questions. I can't stand being fact-checked, especially in front of these stupid seals that are in the background clapping at everything I said. Did you hear that? That just made me so sick. He's up there spewing gibberish and... His club members or whoever the hell it was in the background yelling and screaming and cheering at whatever this moron said was sickening. I mean, how fragile of a pathetic ego do you have to have to have a bunch of people cheering for you as you're giving a press conference explaining to the American people what you did? And as usual, it was a bunch of bullshit and lies and made-up stories, but... His sheep are going to follow wherever he goes, whatever he says. We're going to cheer it. And it's almost an in-your-face liberals cheer is what it was. And it's just so pathetic and it's so sad. A lifelong con man conning a bunch of morons in the background and they don't even know it. I'd hate to live life that way. I really would. But on to other news. South Dakota was in the news a few times last week. The first time was when 250,000 bikers decided that the coronavirus doesn't affect them and traveled to Sturgis, the yearly motorcycle rally I guess they have there every year. It's not something I'm very interested in. But, you know, at the same time, I'm not going to rag on it because there's a lot of things I like doing that people are like, why the hell do you like doing that so much? I hear that all the time. I love going to Las Vegas. I love going. I go at least twice a year. And unfortunately, this year is the first time in, 20 years I have not been to Las Vegas because of the virus. I am not a person that's going to buy into a culture war. I'm just going to listen to doctors. And they said, you know, it's not a good idea to get on an airplane and fly to Las Vegas and be around a bunch of people. And I just go, okay, you know, I guess I'll have to suffer the consequences. Unfortunately, the guys on their motorcycles heading to Sturgis, they're going to look at me and say, he ain't a real man real man st- look in the face of a virus and go screw you coronavirus i'm a real man you are Well, um, okay you're you're a real man but i just I'm not going to rag on the gathering at sturgis that they do every year during normal times you know what if it's something that you like and it's fun for you i welcome you doing it i like anybody having a passion about something i like when people do what they enjoy. That's what life is all about. But I am going to rag on them for going during a pandemic that's stupid. And you're stupid for going. And you're go- somebody's going to get it or somebody's going to pass it along to somebody that they're going to wind up regretting. How many news stories do we have to see Where somebody looked into the face of the coronavirus and said "screw you" and pass it on to somebody else. Ah, what different the news stories. What difference does it make? They're just going to go. That's fake news. That's what CNN reporting that. I can't stand. Everybody wants to bring up CNN with me. I I'll be. I don't. I barely watch CNN. And not that I'm afraid to watch CNN because I'll be pinned as a liberal or whatever it is they want to say. It's just. I don't know. I, A, don't have as much time for it, and B, at night, I'm watching sports. Unfortunately, right now, I'm watching the New York Mets. I was excited baseball season was coming back. Now, I wish they'd shut it down again. If you're a Mets fan, you'll know what I'm talking about. South Dakota was in the news for another reason, Mount Rushmore. Oh, you might know this one. If you don't, hold on to your seats. Are you ready for this? Donald J. Trump apparently inquired about what it would take to get his face on Mount Rushmore. De- I The delusion on this guy and the delusion of his followers are incredible. It's impressively scary. The worst president in the history of this country, and you can probably put him in the worst presidents or leaders in, in the history of the world, wants to know what it would take to put his face on Mount Rushmore. The same guy that destroyed pretty much every business he put his hands on, and now he's destroying America, wants to know (laughs) how to etch his face onto Mount Rushmore. You know, if there's any justice in this world, what really needs to happen is please, let's put Barack Obama's face on Mount Rushmore. First of all, A, he deserves it. B, there is definitely some historical significance to putting his face on Mount Rushmore. But just as importantly, and maybe in some respects more importantly, it will drive Donald Trump insane. It will drive his supporters insane. And, you know, it sounds bad that I want that. It sounds bad that that would make me happy, but it would make me happy. I mean, let's well, let's just be honest with each other here. How much would you love that? How much would you love seeing Barack Obama being etched onto Mount Rushmore? Take a second to think about it. It's a great thought. It really is. But finally, I want to wrap up with a couple of sports stories in the news. As you know, I am a big sports fan, but this one does Involve sports and the coronavirus. Down south here in Florida, college football is gigantic. It's almost a religion. In fact, in some cases, it is a religion. And there is a possibility that college football could be canceled this year because of the coronavirus. Now, for those of you who are not as familiar with how college football works, there are five major conferences in college football, the Pac-10, the Big Ten, the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12. These are called the Power Five Conferences, and those are the conferences that you'll see the college football teams that you, even if you're not a fan, that you would hear of the University of Alabama, the University of Miami, my favorite team, Ohio State, Michigan, all these teams play in the Power Five Conferences. And they are trying to make a decision as to whether or not it is a good idea to play football or not play football. The weird thing and the bizarre thing about college football is that each conference is somewhat independent. So one conference can say, I'm not playing, while the other conference can say, well, we are playing. As of right now, of the Big Five, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten said that they are going to cancel their football seasons, and the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 have yet to make a decision. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, but I was talking to friends of mine today, and as much as I love football, I really do. I mean, a lot of people in this country, football is a big, big deal. College football here in the South is a big, big deal. But to only have a few conferences play and the other ones don't play, it just is going to feel a little strange. And it's going to feel like almost like it's not a real season. Am I going to watch? Of course I'm going to watch. But I don't, it's just something, it's going to feel off for me. Now, some of the players are coming out, they're vocal about it. They want to play. Now, there are also some players that have opted out of the season because they're seniors in college coming up, and they have potential to play in the pros, so they don't want to risk any sort of virus. They don't want to risk anything that may hurt them or, in this case, kill them, of course, to hurt their chances to play in the National Football League, so it's really interesting. Of course, Donald Trump is on there encouraging them to play because he doesn't care whether they live or die. All he cares about is the economic value or how it could hurt the economy if there is no college football. The Lincoln Project, which I love, if I believe it was them, started a hashtag on Twitter to blame Trump. And basically what they did was they listed a lot of the major college football teams and said, this team's not playing, blame Trump. This team's not playing, blame Trump. And I said that actually before I even saw that. I was like, you know, if you want to blame anybody for college football not happening this year, It's Donald Trump and this crap administration and the way they've handled the coronavirus. So if you're going to be angry, be angry at Donald Trump. Don't be mad at the players. Don't be mad at the conferences because it's more than just the players. They could say, yeah, the players are young. Even if they get it, it's no big deal. They quarantined for two weeks. But you guys know the difference. You don't have to be a sports fan to know that if one of the younger players gets it, it, they could pass it on to one of the older coaches. Or one of the older coaches could pass it on to one of their parents or their players can pass it on. to. There's all different kinds of possibilities. Why do we have to keep going over this over and over again? Maybe we don't. Maybe I'm the only one going over and over again, but I mean, I got some time to fill here. So give me a break. And one last sports story. Donald Trump had an interview on radio about the NBA and the players kneeling. And Donald Trump in his Donald Trump way said about the players in the NBA who are mostly black They are very, very nasty and very dumb, very, very nasty and very dumb. He spoke on Fox Sports, outkick the coverage radio show, and he also went on about the NBA ratings, about how they're very low and this is going to hurt them. And First of all, two things. A, the ratings are about 4% off as they were before the NBA went on hiatus. But during the first weekend, they were up 14%. So this guy with the ratings all the time is so stupid and so ridiculous. But he went on about the ratings and went on to say how badly this is going to hurt the NBA more than they even know. Uh, Let me explain something to you as a person who loves sports. If you love sports, Yeah, All right, maybe you don't like the kneeling and maybe you're going to play the game of I'm never watching blah, blah, blah again. They did it with the NFL and everybody said the NFL was going to be in big trouble. A lot of people were canceling their NFL packages because players were kneeling. Trust me when I tell you the ratings for sports overall are not going to go away. First of all, ratings in sports have gone down anyway, even before all the kneeling. And that's only because there's so many different outlets to watch sports anymore. But that's the only reason why sports ratings are down. But for the most part, sports fans are going to be sports fans. They are going to eventually forget about the politics that are going on in sports. I personally would rather not have any politics in sports. But if you're going to have politics in sports, I'll back this one. I really do. And I let's stop this argument that... Kneeling is against the flag. It's not against the flag. In fact, in case you didn't know, when Colin Kaepernick started this whole thing, he would sit on the bench. He would not stand during the national anthem. He sat on the bench. And a serviceman saw this and went to Colin Kaepernick and said, Listen, I understand the message. I understand what you're trying to do. By the way, the serviceman was white and said all I'm asking for you to do is to not sit during the national anthem because that is disrespectful. What I would suggest that you do is you take a knee during the national anthem because that's not disrespecting the national anthem or the flag, but it is a peaceful protest that could get your point across. And Colin Kaepernick heard this white serviceman and said, I can do that. That's where it all came from. But, of course conservative media wants to turn it into they hate the flag, they hate America, and let's burn everything down. I'm canceling my NFL package. I'm not watching NASCAR anymore because they're not flying the Confederate flag. I refuse to watch basketball. Have to... Trump supporters probably do not watch basketball anyway, and we all know why. I think LeBron James said it best. I don't think the NBA is going to miss Donald Trump as a fan, and I don't think any of us are going to miss Donald Trump when Joe Biden and Kamala Harris beats him in November. All right, I'm going to wrap this one up. I appreciate you guys, as always, downloading. You can follow me on Twitter at BRun13. As always, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. That would be fantastic if you can help me out there. Once again, thank you very much for joining me, and I will talk to you guys again soon.